Welcome, savvy investor, to Skyline Views. Hey guys, welcome back to Skyline Views. I'm Chris Mills. I'm here with Cindy Byler of Passive Patriots. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you for having me, Chris. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for showing up. Um, I want to start with uh, a brief introduction. If you could tell any, everybody about your experience and how you got into real estate and what you're doing now. Sure. Um, just briefly, uh, I am originally from upstate New York. We currently live in central Texas because my husband's in the military. We go wherever the army sends us. Um, I, by day, am, or was, sorry, I got to get used to this, was a music teacher. <laughs> and now I am a full-time real estate investor focusing on our business that in just 18 short months have, has already replaced my income. Excellent. That's fantastic. So guys, we're talking about upstate New York. We're also going to be talking about out-of-state investing, like you've heard. So um, Cindy, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your hometown? Okay, so my hometown is um, actually in Corning, New York. I also did go to school in Addison, New York, where my husband and I met. We're our high school sweethearts. And uh, so that's where my familiarity is. Um, most of our properties are actually in Elmira, but I'll get to that more later. Um, and it's a cute little quaint town, you know, having lived out of state, a lot of people, when they hear the word New York, they think the big skyline in the city, but there's so much more to the state and it's a gorgeous place. Uh, we are from the Finger Lakes region. Um, if you look on the map, there's like five lakes and it kind of looks like fingers but it's wine country and it's gorgeous. And it's been, it's been even compared to Napa Valley in some ways in some magazines. So it's just a great little town, very artsy. Corning, New York is home of um, Corning Museum of Glass uh, and also the Fortune 500 company, Corning Incorporated. Uh, they make Pyrex. I'm sure y'all have like Corningware mm -hmm. sitting in your, in your cupboard. So that's what we're known for. And um, my first, job in high school was selling glass art so it's a cute little town um with a lot of very intellectual people because of it corning incorporated fantastic what are uh i know we're going to compare a couple different regions of upstate new york um mm -hmm. elmira down in the south and um we'll talk about rochester as well so do you want to kind of dive into both of those um, sure. So we invest in the Corning Elmira area. We don't have any properties in Corning at the moment, um, but we do have three properties and 10 units total in Elmira. And then we have a single family home in that small little Addison town I told you about. Um, and Elmira, I remember growing up us Corning folk would kind of look down on them and like, oh, you know, there's shootings happening all the time. Oh my gosh, it's so unsafe to be there. Um, and it was almost scary, but when, you know, after I moved to Rochester later on for college, I realized, no, we're just like hillbillies and one isolated, you know, incident is blown up and super scary. <laughs> so <laughs> it really isn't that bad in comparison to the real world. Um, but it has an interesting, um, an interesting history. Uh, it would be considered like a medium-sized city in upstate New York. The population is uh, 20, 27,204, just for reference. Um, 
there's an, it's not like predominantly white collar or blue collar. There's a good mix. Uh, it is in terms of diversity, mostly Caucasian, but they do have a, a decent amount of African Americans there too. But it's upstate New York, and that's just how it is. Um, and so, do you want me to talk a little bit about like the real estate there as well? Um, Sure. And maybe, maybe from the perspective of what attracted you to it, right? Because you're, when you started, you were doing this, were you doing this from Texas or did you make your first purchase when you were still there? My, our first purchase was 18 months ago while we still lived in Texas. So what made us decide to invest in upstate New York, especially as long distance investors, I think one thing, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to decide what market you're going to invest in as a long distance investor, because you've got the whole map, right? You right. might as well take a dart and throw it <laughs> right. um, and then start from there. But I always tell people that to start by asking questions of where do I like to go? Where is my family? Where's my best friend? Like, where do I go? a lot because you know i'm not a cpa but later on down the road when you're investing there and you're going there for whatever reason um and you conduct business then you can make that a write-off so for us as a military family we find us using our vacation time to go visit family all the time and you know there's a little bit of bitterness there i love my family and all but why can't we vacation like normal people <laughs> like to the Caribbean, but having it as a, a tax write-off and being able to conduct business um, makes it a little more fun and justifiable. So um, that's a lot of the reason we chose home because literally we can go into town for a wedding and we've done this. We literally closed on a house. We're like, oh, we're, we're in town for a wedding this weekend. Why don't we do the closing then? Um, or for whatever reason, Christmas was usually, you know, prior to going home for Christmas, I'm already doing, uh, trying to find off market deals and, and creating um, appointments to go see them. So, and also our network is there. We have our family and my husband, um, he grew up Amish. And so a lot of his family members are really good carpenters and general contractors. And they've been doing this for so many years. So initially in our mind we were like oh we'll just partner up with them and we'll hire them full-time and it'll be great well it turns out you know they have other people who want them too <laughs> so that didn't exactly pan out but we do have a good team of people to fall back on so when we first started um we were looking in the corning addison area more so um a deal fell through, thankfully. And then uh, the realtor we were working with, he was like, well, have you considered Elmira? I'm like, that place is scary. I don't know. Um, but we were in town for Christmas and we insisted on seeing it in person because the last one we didn't and that could have ended badly. Hmm. Um, I would highly suggest you have somebody you trust, not just your realtor, because they have financial interest in that sale, right? Um, so if you just have boots on the ground of some sort. Um, so anyways, we went to see it in person. And initially it was like, I don't know, after the last experience we had, I don't know. But my brother-in-law was with us, kind of funny story. And he goes, well, if you're not gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, because I have the settlement coming in. I'm like, this is an off-market deal. You wouldn't have known about it. <laughs> you know, I was like, I had him with us because he knew the area and we wanted to know 
if it was a decent area kind of thing. But so that put the fire under our bottoms to, to go for it. And um, that property, our first deal was a duplex and a triplex. And um, it was an unwanted inheritance. Uh, the, I just really love solving problems. Like if you're in this business to solve someone else's problems, it's going to take you so far and you're going to get a lot of gratification for it. So um, she inherited it from like an uncle figure. I guess he was very wealthy, but he was also a hoarder and he lived in the duplex. And then the triplex was kind of like his storage space because he could, right? So they had just spent the last six years working on emptying that place out. They never had an interest in being landlords and they're playing, they're paying taxes on this, these empty properties. And so, I was able to come across this deal and, and they said 50K cash and that's a great deal. I know that we're talking five units, simple math, $10,000 a door. Yeah. And they did need significant work. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there was some care put into it. You know, we did some due diligence. Well, were the, were the pipes weatherized in New York? That's very important. Um, otherwise you're, you're walking into a big mess um, and, and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, well, um, it's going to take me a minute to come up with 50k cash. Uh, we did have half that in savings. It was our emergency fund and we may have depleted it. But then the other half we got from a family friend because it turned out $25,000 was too much for a personal loan, but also too little for a mortgage. So we were in this really awkward, you know, area. And so um, private money was the way we went. And so I'm really grateful we got into that. We, um, we hired my husband's uncle and he did a fantastic job. Nobody works as hard as the Amish. And I'm telling you in upstate New York, there's plenty of them. <laughs> um, and he got the job done for $33,000, the downstairs and the upstairs complete remodel. So for simple math, even though square footage wise, it's not true. Five units, 10 K a door. So our duplex, let's say acquisition was $20,000, right? Um, we put $33,000 into it in renovation. So we're 53 all in, right? It was cat. It was bringing in rental income wise. We got 800 for the bottom and 700 for the top. So $1,500 in rent per month. And there's this quick back of the napkin deal or formula that buy and hold investors will use. And it's the, the 1% rule, right? Um, if you buy a house for hundred K, you should be able to get 1% of acquisition, which would be a thousand dollars per month, right? But in upstate New York, at least in our market, the 1% rule is a bad deal. <laughs> like, mm. no, we're looking for two to 3%. So beat those numbers, $53,000 all in, and we're getting $1,500 in rent. That tells me that we're almost at 3%. Right. And 3% times 12 is 36% per year, right? of acquisition. I mean, there's obviously expenses still, but that's a good, good return. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for those reasons, Elmira made sense. Very much so. Corning's a great town, but the returns aren't nearly as good. <laughs> so were you spoiled by that first deal or did, were you able to match those numbers going forward? So I would say I was spoiled in the sense it, in comparison, because I know there's a lot of other investors out there who want to get into real estate investing, but they don't always have those kind of margins. And for me, I knew those margins weren't necessarily, oh, profit. For me, there was like room for error 
because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to make these mistakes, you know? So it was a, it gave me comfort in jumping in as a first deal. Now I've, I've spoken to my broker since, and he's like, Cindy, if I was in the picture, that would have been too sophisticated of a deal for you <laughs> just because it needed so much work and managing these renovations from afar. Um, but either way we made it work and it, it was smooth sailing. Now I will say the triplex wasn't as great um, in terms of numbers because a lot of lessons were learned there in terms of, it turns out, my property manager was not very good, hmm. <laughs> not at all. Like property manager from hell. Um, the, we had to get a new contractor because my husband's uncle had to go do other jobs he had pr- committed to prior. Um, and that contractor, in that market, you pay by the hour, unfortunately. Hmm. And that adds up really quick. And it also, depending on the contractor in their mind, well, I'm here, I'm putting in the time. So they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily incentivized to move quickly because they're putting in the time, they're still getting paid. So it cost us a lot more with that kind of mentality. My husband's uncle, like he, he works. (laughs) The guy barely ate lunch, but um, this other contractor, it was, it was a, it was a different story. So our margins weren't as great with the triplex. We are still finishing that property up. Um, hopefully like this week, next week, like it's been going on for a year. I don't even want to talk about the opportunity costs, <laughs> the opportunity costs that have happened. Right. Um, but again, room for error. Uh, and I would say we're about acquisition included about 125 into the triplex. Um, and we've got 700, 700, and then at least 900 on the bottom. We, we still have to discuss the rent because that's the last one to be finished. So 1400 plus 900 is 2300 at 125. So we're still over 2%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like we're about to do cash out refis and kind of move the money into our next renovation deal. So, um, and to go just to touch on that as well, um, you know, we didn't have a silver spoon. <laughs> in our mouths by any means. Um, we worked very hard to pay off our college debt, our car debt, blah, blah, blah. Before we got started, we you know, did the Dave Ramsey method and we kind of graduated from there. Like we're still not there. But um, because the numbers are so great, we were able to do this without any mortgages. We have four properties and 11 units and we don't have a mortgage to speak of. And that has been quite helpful, especially during COVID when, you know, we do have one particular tenant who is enjoying the moratorium (laughs) that in New York, and we can talk about that later, but we're not panicking. And, and we did have one other tenant who was affected, but like she's being responsible and, and doing what she can. And we're able to do that because we're not over leveraged and it's just a, a great market to be in. And it's also a market that could use a lot of love. There's a lot of opportunity to make money there, but also add value. And that is so satisfying. Um, I was looking at the, the numbers um, on, I think it was Scout Neighborhood. I was gonna write it down, Neighborhood Scout. That's a great website. But one of the numbers that they talk about are the ages, ages of the homes. And now in upstate New York, you're gonna have old homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll tell you a little bit why I think that is. Um, but for example, so 
homes that are 1939 or 1900 to 1939, which by the way, our houses are 1900 and 1905. Wow. <laughs> That's how old they are. The one has a boiler in the basement and it was covered in asbestos. So it's like, nope, right. electric heat. <laughs> We're not touching that. Um, like it had to be put in before the house was even built. But 63.9% um, of homes in Elmira are, were built between 1900 and 1940. Hmm. And then from 1940 to 1969 are 26%, 1970 to 1999 are 9%, and then 2000 and older is just 1.2%. So new builds are not really a thing in that area. And I believe they're gonna become even more scarce now that wood prices are through the roof. Hmm. Um, but I believe a lot of that has to do with simply because it is a lot cheaper to buy an existing home and renovate it um, versus building a house. It, it just is what it is when it came to insurance. We underinsured because the cost to build it would have been like half a mil, but um, we went with to be underinsured. And, and when I get that payout, should something happen, I can go and buy three houses three decent turnkey houses with the same amount of money. Wow. Um, also, Elmira has 17.1% vacancy. Hmm. So there's a lot of houses out there that need love <laughs> and they're not being given it. I know when I spoke to the assessor, they're like, I don't even know why we do these tax auctions. They just buy them and then they don't pay the taxes and then just, just it's a cycle. Nobody adds value to them. I'm like, well, hmm. sir, I, I assure you I'm different. <laughs> um, and those the duplex and triplex were vacant houses um the duplex had been six years since anyone lived in it the triplex like 15 wow. plus years and i will caution you like that's a good thing to know because we had put a lot like we had a with older houses you have grandfather clauses right like okay well this stairway can be um it'll be okay it's too steep by our standards today but it'll, it'll be grandfathered in because it's so old at some point after being vacant for so long you don't get to slide by mm. those rules and so um our electric and plumbing had to be completely redone and we spent a lot of money just getting it up to code and i looking back i would ask when was the last time somebody lived here so um and then the fiveplex we're about to work on it's been a few years since anyone has lived in there as well so just gotcha. a lot of opportunity for investors to come on in and get those lovely <laughs> returns that I spoke about. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So a little bit on Rochester now, um, full disclosure, I don't have any properties there. I am familiar with the area. I just wanted to speak a little bit on a bigger city in comparison to say Elmira. Um, because I, if you remember, Elmira was only 27,000 in population, Rochester, is at 206,284. So we're talking like 10 times <laughs> um, the population. And so I'm familiar with Rochester because I went to college there. And it's about an hour and a half north of, um, of Corning Elmira area. So there is some distance. It was a little colder and closer to <laughs> Canada. Um, but I learned I learned a lot about Rochester, especially my senior year of college when I, I moved into the city. There's so many different, um, they call it constituent neighborhoods. There's 141. So it's like, it's a big city and it's spread out. 
Um, and there's a ton of colleges. I was planning to look it up to find out, but I'm, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like 20 colleges in mm. that city. Um, my husband went to college there. I went to college in a different college. <laughs> there's just so many. Um, the two biggest colleges um, that are internationally known is Rochester Institute of Technology technology and then also um i think it's the university of rochester i am i should have that at the tip of my tongue i don't that doesn't even sound right that's awful i'm so sorry um so anyways uh they're internationally known um i went to school to be a music teacher and just down the road was the Eastman School of Music, which is arguably one of the best conservatories in the world. And so lucky for me, I was able to study under professors that came were products of that school, but I didn't have to pay the, the same bill. But as an educator, um, in terms of the demographics, it, we learned really quick that in Rochester, there were some very wealthy people, but there were also some very impoverished um, populations and the difference really is between the inner city and I think it's eastern Rochester where all the <laughs> the wealthier people live in Pittsburgh um, so just a little bit of context um, they're like the majority of people in Rochester are um, they work uh, in healthcare there's a lot of top healthcare um hospitals there i know even in corning like if somebody has cancer or if there's some sort of icu situation they usually are up there in rochester um education 12 and a half percent like usually that that falls like third or fourth but it's actually second here and i think a lot of it's because of all those schools um and retail at 12.2 percent so rochester is actually the home of a lot of really big companies that aren't necessarily a thing anymore so um they were very much industrial so sorry i know you can hear my papers um like some of the iconic companies that were there were eastman kodak xerox bosch and lom wegmans oh my goodness anyone in northeast know wegmans right. that's the home um paychecks western union french's ragu and more so it was a very industrialized city. And then when, you know, Xerox kind of went under and, and Eastman Kodak wasn't very much a thing in comparison, the education um, and all those colleges sort of helped uh, make it so the population didn't decline as much. So just a little bit of background there and, and where I come from. So I did, I just want to quickly thank um, a few of my friends because I called a bunch of real estate agents. I was like, I don't really know exactly why, like I have the big picture, but I don't necessarily know why it is that it is. And especially I wanted to know like how it's unfolding with COVID. You know, I live in Texas and the situation in New York is way different. So hmm. I just want to thank my realtor friends, Emily, Josh, Jeff, and Randy for letting me um, interview them. And, and they all had the same things to say, which was interesting, whether they were in Elmira or Corning or, um, up in Rochester. So uh, my friend Randy, that she's a girl, <laughs> um, but she's a realtor in Rochester. And she said, it's crazy right now. Like the, the um, real estate market, at least right now, um, a lot of the prices are being driven up. 
um, you know, I think part of us would think, oh, well, you know, there's this big crisis going on, wouldn't it be going down? But um, this is upstate New York. And I asked everyone, I'm like, do you think it's people coming from the cities to flee away um, from this COVID situation? And they're like, the, the one friend, she said, out of 40 transactions, I would say maybe two of them were from like the city, like that was their motivation. Uh, right now, it's just kind of the perfect storm <laughs> for real estate to be hot. Um, but for a while there, you know, they couldn't show any properties because of COVID. Like nobody wanted you in, in their houses. And that makes sense. Like you can't blame them. Um, but now all of a sudden, once like everything was kind of lifted so that they could back in, I think she said June, just everybody started going crazy. And so you have the investors and like actual like primary home buyers kind of at war about who's going to get that property and mind you we're all cooped up during covid some people are looking at their house they're spending a lot of time in it and they're saying oh well this place is too small like what am i doing in a four-room house right yeah or the other way around especially if they're laid off and and now they have reason to downsize oh well you know my children were off at college or are off at college i'm an empty nest or what am i doing in a 20-room house so you're kind of getting both aspects of it or spectrums of it. And also some, a lot of us, even those who continue to be deployed or excuse me, employed, like I was a teacher, I was still teaching from home. Like everybody literally was locked up <laughs> for a solid month, I would say. And so they're rousing the internet, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think we all had a lot of time to, to think about this. And then the moment we had a little bit of freedom, especially in New York where in comparison to other states, those freedoms were withheld. <laughs> I, I think um, it was very much held to New York City standards versus upstate standards, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I don't envy Cuomo, like, because obviously he has to speak for the entire state, but they're very two, like, they're two very different entities and they can't be treated the same. But either way, so when they got the freedom, they're just like, all right, let's go buy these houses. So now all of a sudden, properties are being appraised for crazy because the the supply and demand sure <laughs> there's a lot of demand and not a, enough supply and another thing she mentioned um which i find quite interesting and i could see covid having a, an effect on this so last year um new york passed a bunch of a bunch of laws that makes it really hard to be a landlord in new york Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was because of things that were going on down in New York City, um, but it was cross, it was passed statewide. So a lot of investors are actually moving out of New York. There's, that's mm -hmm. no secret. But it made it very difficult to evict um, a tenant. So before it was about a month, which is a decent like that's kind of a lot of time if you, I compare it to like Texas here. <laughs> but it was more like a month before you could actually have an eviction like go through. But now we're talking months, plural, like two to three. And by that time, you know, you're already behind. Now you have to wait this much longer. So something my friend Randy mentioned, and she's been, um, she's had this uh, property management company for years in addition to being a realtor. Um, she mentioned that a lot of landlords in that area, I'm not sure it's so much happening in our area yet, but they're actually raising rents to help cushion those losses 
And that was kind of an epiphany to me. She was like, well, maybe you should go it and go on to rentometer and you can raise your rents. And like, well, you know, after this one tenant who's like $4,000 behind, I could see like why, you know, that might be an attractive strategy. But, you know, first of all, we have like the cost of homes going up and now we have rents going up because of the laws that were passed. Now let's take that even further and take a look at COVID where we are really falling behind on bills and let's be real how many of those you know they're still liable we can take them we can evict them we can take them to court but how many are actually going to pony up right and and pay what they were liable to pay chances are us as landlords and and owners and and this is the risk we take on right there's it is what it is we're gonna have to swallow that cost and i think naturally unfortunately rents are going to inflate to help um balance that out now i could be wrong but that's just my thought process and in this whole cause and effect scenario so i don't know if that makes sense do you have any thoughts on that it does um i do and i think uh you know we have to let the dust settle a little bit more but um one of the things i'm an out-of-state investor as well um Texas being one of them, actually, ironically. <laughs> I'm a little um, backwards. I do it backwards. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, it's, it's one thing to have to keep pace with, there's, you know, the bell curve, right? In, in business mm-hmm. and real estate investing, you watch these, you watch your area kind of go through an up cycle and then it'll kind of peak and then there's a down cycle and you just kind of pay attention to where your investing area is on the curve. Well, COVID has thrown a wrench in everybody's curve, right? No matter where you thought you were, you know, it's a different animal right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, you're kind of hinting at reserves and stuff, you know, some people, certain parts of the curve, you have to keep um, three or four months reserves instead of one or two. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, some, some landlords, if you didn't have six, seven, eight months of reserves, yeah, you're you're, you got the bank knocking on your door now. So um, it's really? tough. It's tough all the way around. I don't think anyone, some people, you know, we saw a downturn coming, but not this, you know, not a, mm-hmm. not a pandemic uh, where, you know, lo- lending is affected, constructing, construction's affected, everything's affected. So yeah, definitely interesting times. And it's really, really good that you have the people that you do in place, the boots on the ground to, mm-hmm kind of keep an eye on things and people you can trust outside, like you said, people who are going to benefit from certain transactions too. When I was, um, I had a, a, one of my best friends was in Dallas at the time when I was pulling the trigger on a property. And just because of circumstances, it was a really good deal, would have had to be sight and seen. So I called him, I said, hey, you know, go look at this and, you know, on the way, tell me what you know about that immediate neighborhood and all that stuff. And fortunately he had been there five, seven years already. So he knew it like the back of his hand and he was able to put me at ease so I could move forward. Um, and yeah, if I was calling a real estate agent or something, it would have been, I mean, I'm not saying that would have lied, but you know, going with, going with my friend was a lot more comforting. So for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, now it's not, I'm starting to realize that the effects of COVID are not all bad. (laughs) Like it stinks that I have a, a tenant who's really enjoying that moratorium. 
Um, but at this, I'm starting to realize that there are some upsides to this too. So I, I mentioned earlier, we don't have any mortgages, but for asset protection, we're working on doing that last R in the burr and take mm. out refinances. And this is a great time to really take out any kind of loan and refinance. And so we've been working on that for one property, the one property that this, the nerve wracking tenant lives in. I'm afraid like he'll slip on ice and have a hmm. find a reason to sue us basically and that's a lot of liability there <laughs> and so um we're working on taking a cash out refi and we just locked in at two and a half percent on an investment oh, yes. property yeah. um the closing costs are a little more expensive than say primary but that's amazing so, yeah and um furthermore i called up my broker and i'm like hey how much do you think this is gonna appraise for and He's like, well, a couple months ago, two or three months ago, I would have said 85K, but the market is hot right now. Appraisals are coming in like crazy and I'm expecting 110. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's a pretty big difference. We're talking what, 30K? Yeah, um, 25, 30K. So I was like, oh, well, that'll give us a lot of cushion for our renovation. That's cool. Um, you know, so lower interest rates. And it's the same reason a lot of people are going out and purchasing or right now, you know, and, and the bank, unfortunately, is very behind. Initially, I feel like I was ignorant to like what was going on in, in the market um, until recently, but they're like, oh, we're so backed up because of COVID. And in my mind, I'm thinking it's because, you know, they didn't really have anyone in the office for so long. But little did I know it's because so many people are buying and selling right now. And they're just, um, backed up so yeah. yeah cool well this has been um a lot of very very valuable information i think people are gonna um enjoy our our conversation and um if they're not already sniffing into new york probably will <laughs> um yeah so yeah just to kind of round out a little bit what um what are you reading right now and and what's kind of been your favorite anything not necessarily just a real estate book Sure. Well, I do a lot of professional development and unfortunately I'm reading like two or three books right now. <laughs> it's not normally my thing, but I'm doing a, a challenge called 75 hard and that requires you to read like a physical book. So actually, concept, I, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like a real, like, what, teacher? <laughs> um, and being the teacher that I am, of course, like I highlight <laughs> all the important things. Um, so this is not the most exciting book, but I think it's important to know about. Um, it's called the Self-Directed Self IRA. Let me read it, like not backwards. The Self-Directed IRA Handbook, an authoritative guide for self-directed retirement plan investors and their advisors. So I spent much of last year learning a lot about um, tax optimization as a real estate investor. But also I learned about self-directed IRAs and how that can um, benefit you in terms of real estate investing. And I think it's something that a lot of people are looking into at this time where the stock market is uncertain, very uncertain. So at least, um, you know, with real estate, you have this physical asset. Mm -hmm. But um, I have a self-directed IRA that I would like to utilize in the near future. And so I want to know all the laws because if you don't, know the laws <laughs> and Absolutely. i do have third party yeah. to hold on to it who should know the laws but if you don't know them and you do a prohibited transaction there goes your tax savings yeah. 
Um, and I don't want to be that person. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so I'm reading that right now. It's the, I mean, it's a little dry, but it's necessary. Necessary, like you said, yeah. Yeah, and I just got done um, reading the Four Hour Work Week, which is a classic, and that has a that has me thinking a lot about my time and how I value it and how I'm going to be more efficient. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm reading. That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, Cindy, thank you again. This has been great. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And, you know, even though I want to keep all the deals to myself, I just want to throw it out there. Like upstate New York is a great place to invest. It's a, you could compare it to the Ohio market. It's just a lot of people don't know about it. Um, so, I mean, if I see you around, I see you around. <laughs> if someone does want to reach out to you, how can they reach you? Um, if they want to reach out to me, I can be found on Facebook or LinkedIn, Cindy Byler. I don't seem to be a very popular name. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, if you want to reach out to me by email, it's Cindy Byler, R-E-I, as in real estate investing, at gmail.com. All right. Perfect, Cindy. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. You're welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to another episode of Skyline Views with Chris Mills. We hope you found this valuable and useful. Feel free to share it with friends or family that could benefit as well. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. We really appreciate it. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us through thehaneycompany.com. See you next time. The information provided in this episode is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. Skyline Views, The Haney Company, their employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are advised to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant for the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Christopher Mills is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisor representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Neither Coastal Equities Incorporated nor Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated is affiliated with Skyline Views or the Haney Company. Advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, a U.S. SEC registered investment advisor, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801.